You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Friday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. In today's episode, we are doing a crossover episode with Asher Lowe of Locked On Badgers, so you don't want to miss this. It's going to be some fantastic conversation about Iowa versus Wisconsin. Spoiler alert, he's not very confident in Wisconsin. I know I also promised some wrestling coverage. I'm either going to try to get out an episode tomorrow morning on wrestling or at least drop some of the the analysis I did on Facebook and Twitter so make sure to follow me there it's been tough uh, to be honest my wife and I are trying to move uh, out of our house we're trying to sell it in a week and a half and move somewhere else in Denver uh <laughs> And so we've been doing a lot of work on the house. So it's been tough to to do as much analysis as I wanted to on the the wrestling tournament. But I promise you, we will have coverage on that, at least going forward, uh, for sure. So I do apologize there. Also, some fantastic stuff we have coming up on the show. We have interviews with Amir Smith-Marset and Keith Duncan. So make sure to tune in to those. They'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. I'm not sure exactly because we have so many... Awesome stuff happening, so much awesome stuff happening in the basketball world, men's and women's, and the wrestling front. So, those will be dropping at some point this month, which is why you should be subscribing to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast if this is your first time listening to the show. That way, you can have every episode downloaded directly to your smart device and you can listen to it wherever you go. Also, if you came here looking for some analysis of last night's game, Iowa versus Nebraska men's basketball, I recorded this before that game with the assumption that Nebraska got handed handed their butts to by uh by Iowa. So if you're listening to this, it means Iowa won a pretty easy game. And if you're not listening to this, which you wouldn't be, then we'll be covering Iowa versus Nebraska on today's show. But that being said, let's hop into the conversation with Asher because Iowa took care of Nebraska last night. Now we're focused our attention on Iowa getting a double bye in the Big Ten tournament, and they need to do that with a win over Wisconsin. So let's talk with Asher Lowe about what to expect in Sunday's game. All right, we got another crossover episode. It's Asher Lowe of Locked On Badgers, Andrew Wade of Locked On Hawkeyes, and we're talking about the game Iowa versus Wisconsin this Sunday to wrap up the regular season in the Big Ten. Asher, it's always fun doing these. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited we can come back here after an Iowa win over Wisconsin. You predicted a Wisconsin win last time, and I think you were left sitting there like, what, what, why did I do that? So how are you doing today, though, before we get into the game? I'm doing well. I'm ready to talk about the sadness that is Wisconsin basketball. And it's been really, really tough to sit through the last few weeks, lost four out of five. And if you think I'm picking Wisconsin today on this show, you're out of your mind. It will not happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, um, you were talking and I was like, I, I don't disagree with what you were saying in the Wisconsin-Iowa game. I understood what your point was and how you thought Wisconsin could win. Um, I thought the way Iowa could win, that's basically what they did. Iowa just matches up really well against Wisconsin. I think from a size perspective, from an athleticism perspective, um, the teams that beat Iowa are not Wisconsin. Wisconsin is the exact opposite of the team that really does well against Iowa. But you did mention before we started the show, Jack Nungy is someone you want to talk about. So let's maybe kick it off there. Jack Nungy suffers another knee injury. Poor guy. I mean, um, what crappy luck. He's had some terrible luck the past couple of years. His dad passed away this off season, and then he tears his, you know, ACL or MCL this year again. Um, what are your thoughts on Jack Nungy? Then I'll get into mine. You know, I just didn't think he was the right fit for Iowa basketball this year. I think he's a really good basketball player. I think he does a lot of things well on the offensive end. He can create 
a little more than I gave him credit for. He's a good shooter. He's not a bad ball handler for his size. He's better on the interior defensively than I thought he was earlier in the year, but he's still not great there. I know he had some good moments there. I really don't think he is by any means a great rim protector, great interior defender. I just think he's the wrong fit for a complimentary piece for Iowa because he is a complimentary piece and he's had games where he's been one of the best players on the floor. Sure. But at the end of the day, when you want a guy that is a role player on a great team, because he's going to be a role player, no matter how well he, like he's not Wieskamp, he's not Garza, right? He's not a guy that's going to carry you. And when you want someone that's a role player on a good team, you want someone that compliments your stars. Right. And I just didn't feel like Jack Nungy's skill set ever really complimented what Garza does well, what Wieskamp does well, what Frederick does well. Uh, I just felt like he was more of the same. And because he was more of the same, it was just the same great things that Iowa was good at. He brought the same issues Iowa had, he didn't fix. And I feel like role players should kind of clog those holes a little bit, right? That, that stars have or that a team has. And when you have a championship type of team in the NBA, especially, I feel like it's a good example because college is weird. Like, listen, the best team doesn't win like most of the time, yeah. at least in my lifetime, I feel like the best team has lost at least half the time. Like was that UConn Shabazz Napier team a great team? No, they just got hot, whatever. But in the NBA and <laughs> basketball, Role players on championship teams almost always kind of clog those holes. I feel like you saw it with the Lakers, right? Yeah. Dwight Howard, JaVel McGee, these different type of guys that aren't going to demand the ball. They don't want the ball. They just want to rebound, start the break, play physical defense, use up their six fouls, right? Jack Nungy should be a Dwight Howard, JaVel McGee type of player if he wants to help Iowa the most. And he's just not that. He's never going to be that. So I just felt like the skill set didn't match up with what the stars do well. And I wanted to see a role player in that, in that area that complemented what a guy like Garza, what a guy like Weez can't bring. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm no, not saying he's a bad player by any means. Yeah. He's a really good player. I just don't think his skill set helps him. That yeah, much. no, I, I think that makes sense. Um, I have a counterpoint to that in that, Luke, you know, Luca Garza is our star, right? Joe Wieskamp is our star. When Luca Garza gets in foul trouble, Luca Garza gets hurt. Luca Garza, God forbid, he gets hurt. Luca Garza has to go on the bench for a little bit. Jack Nungy can come in and basically do the exact same thing. Like he said, the exact same thing. Luca, I feel like he's Luca light. In a sense, he can shoot the three. He can post up a little bit. He's not a bad defender. I've actually been very impressed with this defensive energy. Maybe not the best defender, but he's at least present there and has brought an energy to that defensive side of the ball. Um, I think he is going to be a breakout candidate next year as a Agreed. starter. Um, but I do agree. You know, you see the role players. That's why Keegan Murray has been so successful for Iowa. That's why Patrick McCaffrey has been so successful for Iowa because they bring a different element to the game. Patrick is going to be a guy who can drive the basket. Once he starts converting those, those layups, he's going to be a really big force for Iowa. Keegan Murray has shown defensively that he can do so much. Um, he's one of the reasons why they locked down Ohio State. EJ Liddell was locked up by Keegan Murray, a true freshman. So I understand. I definitely agree with that. Um, I would prefer to have Jack Nungy in the lineup uh, overall. It, it hurts our depth. If Luca Garza gets in foul trouble, that really hurts this team significantly. We've seen Jack Nungy have those spurts where he carries the team, but I, I understand your point 100%. Um, now, with that being said, though, Iowa has a size disadvantage going into the postseason now. And against Wisconsin, that's really one of the only teams – that they're going to have to go up against that matched up actually with better size in Iowa. How do you feel like that will work against Iowa and, and for Wisconsin? Well, that's if the size is playing well. And the issue for Wisconsin <laughs> has been that Nate Reavers has been a shell of himself for most of the year. I don't know why. And it's not, it's beyond basketball at this point. I think it's way beyond basketball. 
I think it's mental. I think it's the taxing season that it's been where you're getting tested every day. You can't hang out with people. You're not socializing. And then when you get in a slump, you kind of just get in your head. It's mental. You're in your room a lot, just sitting there. Like we've all been through it. Everyone's been through it, especially back in March, April, when it was brand new and everyone didn't know what to do. And everyone, a lot of people at least were sitting in their rooms, you know, not leaving the house, all that stuff with this pandemic. And I feel like Nate has been mentally affected by this season. And I feel like his, his bad play has just kind of carried over into him not feeling ready mentally to play. And you can kind of see it on the floor that he just isn't confident in anything he does. He's getting pushed around physically and he's not weak physically. Like he's gotten stronger for the last few years, but that's all just gone by the wayside this year. So yeah, sure. The size is nice if the size is playing well. Right. But Nate just hasn't brought it. Micah Potter has been a lot better over the last few weeks. And he has, as your cat is on the screen now, I love, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm loving the cat action we got here. Yeah, she doesn't really give a crap what I'm doing. She's like, I'm here. <laughs> that's, a fa- uh, uh, that's fantastic stuff right now. We got to get the cat on the pod. Um, but is that a lucky Iowa cat? Did you name, name him or her after Iowa or what? Uh, no, we, uh, we get a lot of adopted animals. And then whatever their name is, that's just what they are stuck with. So her name is Leia. <laughs> I'm not a Star Wars fan. That's a hot take. But her name is Leia. <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, got to rename it Garza if uh, you guys win the national championship. If, if but, we win the national championship, I will name her Luca or Garza. One of the two. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, or McCaffrey since half your team is a McCaffrey. But <laughs> uh, back to Micah Potter. He's been better over the last few weeks, right? He's had some really good offensive games. The Micah Potter pick and pop three is the most important shot in Wisconsin's offense. I've said that a few times on this show. And I think it's still true. And he didn't hit it, by the way, against Purdue. It was one of the big reasons Wisconsin lost. He didn't get it going from deep. And he has to for this team to be great offensively. And even his defense has been better than people want to give him credit for. I think he's done a really good job against guys. Like he did a really good job against Hunter Dickinson in both games. Hunter Dickinson was not the reason Wisconsin lost either of those games to Michigan at all. Like Michael Potter did a better job on him than I think I've seen almost anybody do this year in college basketball, except maybe Kofi in that. Iowa Illinois game that was very surprising. Not, not or sorry, that Illinois Michigan game that was surprising a couple yeah. of days ago. But yeah, if the size plays well, then yeah, it's a nice advantage to have to go up against Garza. But if the size has been, especially Nate Reavers has been what he's been, then what does it matter? Yeah, and I I will say Luca Garza doesn't struggle against a lot of players, right? When Luca Garza is struggling, it's because his shot is not falling, not because he's not getting into the lane, not being able to get the right shots that he wants. And against Wisconsin, he was able to do exactly what he wanted to do against them. He finished with an offensive rating of 138, was the game MVP, according to Ken Palm, 30 points, 7 of 13 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. So what do you feel like they're going to try differently to stop him in this game? Or are they going to basically deploy the same game plan? You know, I think we that they have to bring the double a lot more than they did. He just tore Wisconsin apart. But here's the thing, though. I don't – I say that, but – and last last show we did, I was saying, don't bring the double, just kind of let him beat us by himself, whatever. And I'd still almost say I want to do that again, too. Because, listen, like you said, at Wisconsin, he was making threes. And what in the world can you do to Luka Garza if he's going to go four of six, five of seven, whatever he went from three? There's just nothing you can do. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with losing that way. I really am. I'm fine with saying, Luka Garza, if you make threes, we're going to lose, and that's okay. I'd rather have Luka Garza hitting top-of-the-key threes with decent contests from Potter than Wieskamp, Frederick, Bohannon just tearing us apart with wide-open looks because we keep, we keep double-teaming. Like I'd, I'd rather lose the way Wisconsin lost at home. He's so good that I think only he can take himself out of a game by either missing perimeter shots or even that Michigan game that you guys lost got crushed, right? I didn't feel like he was 
getting locked up. I just no. thought he was missing shots he makes. Yep. Like I don't know. Like like everyone wanted to give a lot of credit to Dickinson, and I listen. I, I'm the I'm the, my favorite my favorite thing in the world is not giving credit to Michigan, and I, I don't I don't really want to give him a ton of credit for locking down Garza. I thought he was just missing shots he made against a team like Wisconsin that he's made in other games this year. He was just missing pretty good looks. Yep. He's going to get his his looks. He's going to either make him or miss him, especially those perimeter jumpers. And if he makes them and they beat you because of it, good game. I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get that. So then, in your opinion, who is the guy you want to stop then? So is the emphasis on Joe Wieskamp? Is it Jordan Bohannon? Because uh, Joe Wieskamp also had a phenomenal game as well. Five of six from deep. Uh, he is just yeah. playing lights out the last couple of weeks, right? It's Wieskamp. His threes in the second half are the difference. He hit some huge ones and tough ones, by the way. They weren't all yeah. open. He hit some tough ones. It's Wieskamp to me. You have to, you have to make sure that his offense isn't what it was in game one against Wisconsin. And like I said, some of that is on him making or missing because he made some shots where you can't really defend it much better. But the way you beat Iowa, and this is where what Wisconsin can't really do, is on the offensive end, right? You tear them apart on that end. It's how Gonzaga tore Iowa apart. It's how Michigan tore Iowa apart. You beat them because they're not a very good transition defensive team. They're not great when they get up and down on defense because they just can't stop anybody. They're not athletic enough on the interior. They're not good enough at stopping perimeter ball handlers from getting to the rim and wreaking havoc. And that's just not Wisconsin's strong suit. Offense has been the opposite of Wisconsin's strong suit over the last few weeks, especially beating guys one-on-one. Like a bunch of individual scores. Like West Virginia would tear Iowa apart in the NCAA tournament, in my opinion. Because that's a team where you have four or five guys that can just get their own, and that's how Bob Huggins is playing it, right? He's just saying, you go you go yeah, beat go your man. Fun. We're going to spread the floor. We're going to spread the floor. We're not going to run plays, and you're going to beat your man one-on-one. And Iowa would be screwed. Wisconsin doesn't have that personnel at all. So Wisconsin actually has to just bank on Iowa missing threes, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. And I want to talk about Brad Davison as a very key guy because he is – going to go down as probably my most hated Wisconsin player I've ever watched in my entire every life. Iowa fan on Twitter man they go nuts on him I love Dude, it there's a lot of reasons why I just uh, I don't know how someone could actually appreciate Brad Davison's game even as a Wisconsin fan I don't know how you can appreciate the fact that he is one of the worst two-point shooters in the history of college basketball in the last 10 years we're going to get to that though I do want to make sure we tell our listeners about betonline.ag betonline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action football might be over but the NBA college basketball and the NHL are in full swing betonline.ag even covers awards TV shows and reality television real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine betonline.ag has you covered for all the news scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up today Asher question for you over under how many two-point buckets does Brad Davison make in the Wisconsin game I'd set it at two and I may take the under (laughs) <laughs> I love it. So those are the kind of things we can get at betonline.ag. If you want a specific prop, we can try to get that in there for you. So head over to their website and use your mobile or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using that promo code locked on. That's right. Use the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up today. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So Andrew, I want to turn it to Iowa pretty soon. But I guess one last thing about Brad Davison is to just to talk about him for a sec because you did kind of rip him before we went to a little bit <laughs> on break. So I'm not going to sit here and, and defend him a ton. I, I haven't talked about him a lot on the show this year, to be perfectly honest. And here's why. I don't think there's much he's not doing that he can be doing. It's not an effort issue. It's not – I'm not trying to hate. I'm just saying. 
There's just some limitations, man. Saying, I, like he's doing the best I, he can. Give that's basically what I'm saying. I'm, just, I'm just, that's what I'm saying. I, I mean it genuinely. I'm not trying to be like mean or not. I, I'm not a D1 basketball player, right? I'm not. He, he, he's a D1 athlete. Like he's a great basketball player in terms of the just general consensus. Like he does a lot of things well, but there's not much more he can be doing. He's just missing shots. He takes a little too many threes sometimes, especially in transit. He loves transition threes. I don't know why. Well, I don't know why, but he runs the three-point line in transition. He's not very good on the break. He's not a good finisher at the rim. There's just some, some limitations there. He plays really hard. He's always talking. There's a lot of positives. He's always talking. I mean, he's always making sure his team is engaged defensively. He's always lifting his teammates up with his voice. You can hear him now because of no fans. You can really hear how much he's saying on a game-to-game basis, which is a lot of fun to listen to. And to watch him play defense sometimes can be great, but he can be really special sometimes on that end of the floor uh, against certain matchups and against certain teams. But there's a lot of limitations offensively that I just don't think are fixed by him doing anything better. I just think that that's, that's what he is, and he'll have some games where he gets hot from three, but that is what it is. As far as a dirty player, I think he gets <laughs> a bad rep. Like I do, I do think he gets, he gets a worse rep than he deserves. There's been a few times where he, he is a little bit dirty, whatever. He's not Grayson Allen. Like, like it's not this blatant, like tripping, trying to hurt. Some, it's really not like, like go watch the plays. I mean, the Iowa game last year, there was one that was, was kind of bad. I'll admit yeah. that one where he kind of wrapped around on the street. That, that was bad. That was dirty. I'll be the first to admit it. But there's been a few <laughs> times this year where he hasn't made a dirty play. And then they've gone to the monitor and the Twitter goes nuts. And they're like that. That was Brad. David. That's reputation stuff. A yeah. lot of the, this year has been reputation. Uh, in my opinion, the Iowa play last year, though, that was dirty. I will be the first to tell you that was a dirty play. That that makes sense. And so Brad actually had a fantastic game. He talked about sometimes he gets hot from three. His best three-point shooting day of the season this year was against Iowa. He went five of eight from deep, and he was really a big reason why they cut that lead very significantly early in that second half. Um, Wisconsin was down. 10 ish, I believe going into the first, you know, end of the first half. And then they came back and made a comeback before Iowa turned on the jets and it was able to close out the game. Do you feel like that's something we should watch out for with Brad Davison in tonight's or in uh, Sunday's game? I do. He can get going from deep. He's a, he's a rhythm player. When he hits one, he'll hit a couple usually from distance, but the two point stuff is a problem, right? We haven't really posted him up much and he's actually pretty good in the post. It just hasn't happened much this year for whatever reason. He's not good on the drive. He's not good in transition. But I feel like a couple more post touches could do him well. But, yeah, it could happen. He can go off from three. It happens once in a while. To turn it back to Iowa, I want to ask you this first. How important is the Big Ten tournament for this Iowa team? Do you, are you putting a lot of weight on it? So it, that's an interesting question. So there's the weight of the Big Ten tournament in terms of NCAA tournament seeding, and there's the weight of the Big Ten tournament in terms of do I feel like this team can compete and make a run? Um, are you asking both questions or one or the other? I think I'm asking both questions. How important is seeding to you, first of all? Like, do you care about the difference between a two and a three seed? Is that a big difference to you in your mind for this team? And also, does a run in the Big Ten tournament, then you feel really catapult this team towards a run in the NCAA tournament? Or do you feel like a first-round exit, or the first game they play, it won't be first round, but the first game they play, losing that game wouldn't really set off alarm bells for you? Going into um, yeah, that's yeah, good question. So if Iowa loses against losing the Big Ten tournament in the first game of the tournament – I'm not super concerned, depending on how they lost. Now, that's a huge thing. But two years ago, they got just smoked by Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. And they came out, they beat Cincinnati pretty handedly as a 10 seed, I believe. And then they had 
um, Tennessee number, you know, number two seeded Tennessee, and they got down early, but they came back and almost put together one of the most impressive comebacks I've ever seen to get a trip to the Sweet 16. So that was a great, great game. I remember amazing that game. game, dude. Yeah. Just a, fantastic. So it doesn't concern me if they lose the first game in the Big Ten tournament from a can they win games in the NCAA tournament. What does concern me is that I do believe Iowa more so than a a lot of other teams. Their run to the NCAA tournament depends on matchup more so than ever. I think there's a lot of teams that, that you know, Gonzaga is a great team. They're going to be able to get pretty far, um, but certain teams need very good matchups to make a deeper run. I think regardless of matchups, if Iowa can get a two or three seed, they will be a sweet 16 team. But if they want to make a run to an elite eight or a final four, God forbid, the national championship matchups are going to be important because we, I mean, it, it's going to be the biggest thing. As you talked about West Virginia, that's a team that could break down Iowa. Gonzaga doesn't scare me, actually. Oh, my God. You're out of your mind. So I know you're a big Gonzaga homer. Oh, you're but out of your mind. I think Gonzaga and Iowa match up very well. And I think oh, Iowa – I'm not even getting to it. I think Iowa can match up very well with Gonzaga. Baylor worries me a little bit from an athleticism standpoint. So there are some teams that worry me from a seeding perspective. So I think if you win the, the Big Ten tournament, you get a better seed – uh, I think the number one seed is probably out of the question now at this point with Illinois taking down Michigan. But if you can get a number two seed, that saves you a game against the number one seed until the Elite Eight. And depending on the number one seed, that matchup is going to be very important. So, yeah, it is a very important tournament for us, in my opinion. I will say this, even as a Gonzaga homer, I do feel like what you said about Baylor being a worse matchup is probably true. I don't think Iowa beats either Gonzaga or Baylor, and that's not a knock on Iowa. They're the best yeah. two teams in the country. But I do feel like you might be right about that, that Baylor is almost tougher to beat for this Iowa team. Baylor at their best, not the Baylor we've yep. seen uh, post-COVID break. But the, the early season Baylor might be even tougher to beat for Iowa than an early season Gonzaga was. Yeah, I'm not saying we're going to beat Gonzaga. I'm just saying right. if I had to pick a game, if it's Baylor yeah, or Gonzaga, I'm picking Gonzaga that's fair. every single day. So that's, that's kind fair. of my thought. But yeah, so I mean, that's kind of my thoughts on this. I think the Wisconsin game is a huge one. They need to beat Wisconsin to be able to get a double buy, um, depending on how logistics shake out with the scheduling. Wisconsin, we could have really used a Wisconsin W over Purdue. That would have been phenomenal. But, of course, Wisconsin breaks our hearts and loses to Purdue. Um, and so now Iowa has to win out the rest of their season. We're recording this pre-Nebraska. They needed to beat Nebraska last night. And then they need to beat Wisconsin. If they get that, they get a double bye, which makes their run in the Big Ten tournament significantly easier by not having that extra game in their schedule. I think it'd be Iowa the three seed, Wisconsin the six seed. So I think the the chances of Iowa and Wisconsin playing again are very, very high. They know? are. Yeah, they yeah. are. And uh, I would love that matchup. I'm not like out of all teams in the Big can't blame Ten. You. Yeah, can't out of all teams you. in the Big Ten outside of Nebraska. Yeah, outside of Nebraska, I like. I gotta you say, to say what I think you're gonna. You rather play? Are you saying what I think you're saying? Okay, let me phrase this: Nebraska, Northwestern, Maryland, okay. Penn, State. Penn State. I would rather play Wisconsin. Okay. But okay. it's tough though because Penn State played us really tough. I do think everything on paper. For example, Indiana on paper, Iowa should dominate Indiana every single day. In those games, Indiana has a perfect game plan, and Iowa can't do crap against them in either game. So. I struggle a little bit with that, but Wisconsin is a great matchup for Iowa. And I hope I'm not speaking out my butt. And then we watch Iowa get destroyed by Wisconsin this Sunday, but it just, it is, it's a better matchup for Iowa. There's one way Wisconsin beats Iowa on Sunday. And it's, it's something that hasn't been there for the last two months. This team has to shoot well from three. They just have to, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of stuff we can say about them. There's a lot of issues that I can talk about, 
But staying in games against great teams and beating a great team, which Wisconsin hasn't done all year. They haven't beaten a good, great team all year. Not once. Uh, Loyola Chicago is the best team this team has beaten. Wow. Yeah, they haven't beat a single team. Not a They've single one. 0-6. 0-6 against the top four in the Big Ten. It's been crazy. the exact classic. You, you take Wisconsin doesn't lose teams they shouldn't lose to, right? Even the Maryland loss. Like Maryland's a damn good team. They're a tournament lock. Uh, so even that loss, I'm like, that's not really that. T- the Penn State on the road loss is definitely the one exception to this. But Wisconsin's 10 and 2 against the bottom half of the Big Ten, against the top four, 0 and 6. And that's not an accident at all. Because if they're not shooting threes well, they can't stay with you offensively those top four teams. They have these long droughts, even against bad teams, they have a long scoring drought. Against Northwestern, there was a seven-minute scoring drought, and Wisconsin won that game by 10 because that's Northwestern. You can't have a seven-minute scoring drought against Iowa. The game's over. Yeah. 100% game's over. So that's been the issue for Wisconsin is these long droughts that you can't have against great teams. This is crazy. I'm looking at the Kempom statistics right now. Eight of, ten, eight of Wisconsin's 10 losses have come to teams ranked 28th or better, according to Kempom, Penn State 36, Marquette 76. And out of their 16 wins, they have only one, no, sorry, only two wins against a team ranked 30th or better, according to Kempom, Maryland 28th, and Loyola number 12. So you're absolutely right. I mean, that that is the that is the Loyola's textbook 12? definition. Loyola is 12. Loyola 12 in Kempom? That is hot. I yeah. love that. Let me, that let so me confirm, yeah, because that's – Cameron Crowick, baby. I can't wait to watch those boys. Can't wait to watch Porter Moser and Cameron Crowick go to work in the first round against that nine seed. I hate Loyola, man. Oh, they're so good. But but you're a Drake Drake fan. That makes that makes sense. I went to Drake. Yeah, I hate Loyola. (laughs) That makes sense. Those were great two games. But I could talk about those all day. We'll get back to Big Ten, (laughs) big boy basketball here. I guess Uh, Missouri Valley Conference. It it goes down. Arch Madness. It it, it throws down in St. Louis. It's a blast, Um, man. But I was going to say, even with Wisconsin at 10 and 10 in the conference, which I do think they're going to lose the game on Sunday and fall to 10 and 10 in the Big Ten, the resume you just read off is the reason why there's not even a conversation about Wisconsin in and out of the NCAA tournament. There's almost no bad losses yeah. on the entire schedule for Wisconsin. The worst loss of the year was probably Marquette. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're probably worse Ken Palm wise than Penn State. Eh, it's close. I don't know who'd be worse. Probably Penn State's actually worse because Mar- Marquette just beat North Carolina. But for a, a time of the year, it was probably Marquette was the worst Ken Palm loss. I'd say Penn State probably is the worst Ken Palm loss now. But there's like three bad losses that aren't even that bad. I mean, Marquette, Maryland, Penn State are all fine basketball teams. Not, there's no terrible, weird loss on there. There's no Nebraska loss. There's no uh, Northwestern loss. So because this team is taking care of business, for the most part, against teams they should control and beat, there's no conversation about missing the NCAA tournament. Even though fans want to say, lost five out of six, this team's not going to the tournament just because they don't really follow college basketball. Like, this team's a tournament lock. The question is, can they beat a great team? And the answer is a resounding no if they don't get hot from three, which they haven't been hot from three in two months. So, do you think? Do you think it's? Do you think it's the fact the competition they're playing against? Because I look at the game against Iowa, and I Wisconsin shot relatively well against Iowa, if I remember correctly. Let me try to pull up that game real quick. Not early. Not early. You're, you're right. Not early, but they shot thirty-nine percent. They built themselves a hole. Yeah, they but shot thirty nine percent from three, and a lot of that was Brad Davison and a little bit Micah Potter. But, but Iowa over, shot so well. Iowa shot sixty three percent from three. So I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's a good point. So I mean, do you feel like though? Do you feel like it's Wisconsin not shooting well, or do you feel like they're playing solid defensive teams? And to be fair, Iowa, Iowa's defense has gotten better, and they started with you know some of the Wisconsin game as well. 
do you feel like it's playing strong defensive teams that lock up your perimeter shooters? Well, Wisconsin's a great team to play if you want to feel confident about your defense going forward. That is the, the perfect remedy. Uh, but I would say it's, it's both. Because when you shoot four of 24 from three, which Wisconsin has done in multiple games this year, even the game against Illinois that Wisconsin shot 10 of 31 from three, that's a lie of a statistic. Wisconsin was four of 25 from three going into the last two minutes, and then Demetri Trice went five of five. So Potter went one of one, Trice went five of five. So Wisconsin was four of 24 from three in that game in moments that mattered. By the time Trice got hot, the game was basically over, and Trice almost brought him back for some miracle. But this team, it's both. When you shoot four of 24, Andrew, like it's not one thing that's the issue. That's all of the above. That's your missing open ones. That's a team's playing well defensively. That's you're taking some bad ones because there's a mix of taking some really bad ones and missing some wide open ones. The ones in transition are the ones that just make me want to die. The corner contested three in transition that Wisconsin takes makes me want to turn the TV off and never watch it ever again. Those are the ones that really get me. Uh, but a lot, of, a lot of missed open ones. I got to say, like a lot of missed wide open ones. Man, you sounded like a lot of the Wisconsin Twitter I follow at this point. Just it seems like a season where there was high expectations, and at this point, just we're realistic about those expectations now going into the NCAA tournament. To wrap up the show, I'm assuming you're going to say Iowa's going to win this game. That's your prediction as well. Yeah, I think Iowa wins by six to eight. I think Iowa controls it mostly. Wisconsin might start well. I think they start better than they have in the last games against few games against good teams. They started well against Purdue, really well which was a positive sign at least because yeah, because the issue was in those games against great teams is that they've started down 10 down eight. And then you're just trying to claw your way back. Like the Iowa game, Wisconsin was down 10 pretty quickly there. And it was just a slow trying to claw your way back into it, claw your way back into it. And they got it down to three at one point, I think was the closest in the second half. And then Iowa made too many threes. So starting fast is key. If Wisconsin wants to have any chance, but I think Iowa has, simply too much offensively for one of the inevitable four or five minute droughts that Wisconsin is going to go through. Yeah. I'm looking at this right now. Wisconsin had 12, one run. And even after that 12, one run, Ken Palm's winning percentage prediction was 70%. Iowa win that game. And then Iowa went on a 13 to two run to close out that game. I do predict a win as well. Um, I think one thing that we're not taking into consideration here is the fact that this is Jordan Bohannon's last game in Carver. Mm. It is Luca Garza's last game in Carver, and it is possibly Joe Wieskamp's last game in Carver. If there was ever a time to be motivated to come out and just absolutely dominate and why not do it against a team like Wisconsin, a team that, uh, Jordan Bohannon has some interesting feelings for so uh, should be a lot of fun Asher always a blast recording these um, hopefully when we talk on Monday it's because Iowa has won that game but I know I'm sure you're excited to see if Wisconsin can win or not Greg Gard's going to come out with a little $40,000 in a McDonald's bag and hand it to Joe Jobo <laughs> and say here miss every three today and I'll, I'll, I'll give you this at the end of the game have fun with this cash buddy that would be hilarious <laughs> I Greg Gard, you know, notorious cheater, of course, just a guy that always breaks the rules. Biggest. Real, real rule breakers over here at Wisconsin. Him, him and Fran, they're like the SEC, uh, you know, light right now. Yeah, I mean, they're they're literally Calipari and and Shevsky. I mean, they, they just all they do is break rules. Uh, Calipari and Sean Miller uh, e- equals equals Fran and, and Greg Gard. Uh, as long as Fran is is uh, Calipari, I'm good. We'll wait, American Gangster. I think we should change it to Greg Gard, American Gangster. <laughs> I love it, man. All right, y'all, and that will do it for our show today. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the crossover episode with Asher. Like I said, I'll try to get a show out tomorrow. I know I've just been so busy with house stuff, and I was on vacation last week. We're trying to sell our house, so I do apologize there, but amazing content being dropped 
over the next couple of weeks. We also spoke with David Eicholt yesterday. So make sure to tune into that if you want to get some more information on recruiting news. I also know that Iowa hired a new offensive line coach. We'll be covering that on next week's episode as well. Just wanted to make sure we got out the coverage of the Iowa-Wisconsin basketball game. So that'll all be coming up. Next week, lots of stuff, lots of lots of opportunities to talk about Iowa sports, lots of coverage to happen, uh, so stay tuned right here on the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast. Have a fantastic Friday, Hawkeye Nation, and let's go Hawks.